Thanks for downloading this episode from Teachers Talk Radio. You can find the full schedule and listen back to all our shows at ttradio.org. This show is brought to you in partnership with the Witherslack Group, experts in special education and care. Enjoy the podcast. How is everyone this evening? I hope you are well. Um, we have got a really exciting show coming up this evening. Uh, I'm here extended for two hours. Lucky you people. Um, I wasn't here last week. We had Carl Pupo, which was an awesome show last Monday. If you haven't had a chance to listen to that, it's on the website. So do check that out. But I am back tonight and I've got um, Mr. PICT. Hello. Good evening. How are we doing? Not too bad. And yourself? Yeah, well, it's Monday, isn't it? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm okay. Yeah. I I mean, hopefully, I'm going to ask you... I'm hoping that I'm going to ask you some questions that no one else has asked you, which is probably a very tough challenge, bearing in mind that you have your own podcast, which you regularly do, and probably you've been asked every question under the sun um, at some point or another. Well, uh, well... You've set yourself a challenge here, right? Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to Good it. Good stuff. Um, yeah, so basically the, the main sort of reason um, that I asked Mr. Lee Parkinson on was around digital sort of, I guess, wider digital content creation. Obviously looking at um, his story uh, um, and the content that he has created and he has built over time, but also how that sort of translates to other teachers who want to create content, whether that be content for their classes or content for wider consumption but kind of how his journey might sort of um how would i put it how his journey might inspire or influence other people to do the same thing that he's doing so in case any of you don't know who lee is lee is mr p with ict he's he's got his own sort of i I would guess facebook channel should we call it that website podcast Mm -hmm. Uh, Times best-selling book, um, uh, tour, uh, podcast tour, um, and primary school teacher. But Lee, that's probably a really skimmed-down version of things. I wondered whether you wanted to sort of add anything into that. Um, yeah, I mean, first and foremost, I see myself as a as a teacher more yeah. than anything else. And um, you know, I've been a teacher now for the past fifteen years. So always at the same school, yeah. although I've obviously worked at lots of other schools, but I've always stayed at the first school I was at. Um, obviously work there part-time now, so I'm still in there week in, week out, and then obviously uh, lead my business where I do training around the use of creative technology to enhance um, the curriculum. So that that's the main, and then everything else is just sort of... Um, sort of a little bit more of a, a, a hobby really yeah uh, I mean obviously it benefits the business the more exposure and the bigger uh, the, the more followers I get and that sort of thing it obviously gives people an insight into the training I can provide but um, yeah when it comes to social media stuff and the podcast especially that's much more of a, a hobby more than anything else really um, but yeah I always just see myself as a teacher first and foremost and um, you know I think what 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 sort of benefits the training that I provide is that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still in class doing it week in, week out. So everything that I talk about and I share uh, comes from a place of actually doing it. And, um, you know, and, and loving still working with the kids. I still love going into my school each week and 
you know, I'm very lucky in my school and I've got a really supportive staff, a really supportive SLT who, you know, sort of um, gives me that trust and that, that, that license to try new ideas out. So, mm. yeah, very, very, I'm officially now like the longest serving member of staff in my school by the SLT. So I'm officially the old guard. Wow. Yeah. And nice. when I didn't realise that was the case was when uh, the younger <laughs> NQTs or ECTs, as are now known, organise some pre-drinks for the end of summer do. And I didn't get invited. <laughs> so that, that's what I'm putting it down to. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, just in terms of that evolution then, yeah. sort of you, start, you presumably started off full-time teacher, yeah. like 21, 22? Yeah, straight out of uni. So I went from... Uh, from school sixth form straight into uni four years BA in primary school teaching um not gonna lie did not uh you know wasn't what I, I, was, I was so young when I went to uni so first couple of years I was just making the most of uni life so yeah. I can't really tell you much I learned in those couple of years to be fair I always think that four-year degree could have probably been condensed into well one it's a PGC isn't it but uh yeah, I made the most of the time at uni. And um, yeah, I went straight into the classroom. So I was full-time teaching for a good few years and then uh, got married. Um, and then, it, well, it turned out not to be a baby. It was babies. So yeah, we were expecting triplets. And um, yeah, that's when everything sort of changed. So initially, I, my, my, um, my thought process was to go into to sort of leadership and look at ways that you know obviously if you've got three babies on the way I could do yeah. with trying to provide and get as much um you know money as I can to, to, you can't it's just it's, three sets of nappies yeah. three sets everything so um I, I sort of spoke to my head teacher and what he did was gave me the opportunity to um sort of come out of the classroom and cover PPA across the schools so that I could obviously get more experience in year groups I hadn't yeah. previously taught. Um, okay. And he wanted me to develop my curriculum area, which at the time was ICT. Uh, oh, you're cutting out a little bit, Lee. I don't know if you're next to your Wi-Fi router or something or if you're on 4G or whatever, um, but definitely check check where you are. Hopefully you can, hopefully you'll come back in in a minute. Don't know, we'll keep trying. Um, but yeah, so if you're just joining us, everyone, that might be a good moment for me to say that the show tonight is sponsored by Witherslack Group, who are a leading provider of specialist education and care. And they need people like you to help them achieve even more. And at Witherslack, you'll be given all the resources and support you need. And you get a clear path to career progression and you're rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits that the industry has to offer. And you can check out Witherslack Group at witherslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers. Uh, and they currently have listed about 100 jobs on their website that you can check out. Um, so do do that. The other thing I would encourage you to do if you're listening to this and you are a teacher is to consider uh, becoming a Teachers Talk Radio host. Um, perhaps you would like to 
do what I am attempting to do and to host your own show on Teachers Talk Radio. Um, you can do that by literally going to the website, uh, going to the uh, email address at the bottom and sending us an email saying hi and saying that you would like to be a host. And then we will send you a wonderful little info pack uh, to maybe get involved with Teachers Talk Radio. Um, Lee, you might be back now. Hello. Oh, sorry about that. I don't know what happened there. I was chatting away and then all of a sudden there was no sort of interaction. So Yeah, you dropped out a couple of times. I don't know if you're next to a router or connected to uh, Wi-Fi and not 4G or something. Sometimes it can be a bit weird. Right, okay. Um, right, I'm on my 4G now, so worry. should that be all right? Well, we'll see. Should be. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. see. Where, 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 did, where did I cut off at? What, what point? What was I saying? So you were t- telling the story of your head teacher giving you the PPA, right. the covering PPA to gain experience to potentially go into leadership. Yeah, yeah. So that was the idea. And that's what my head teacher's always been really good at is, you know, if you want to move on, if you want to, you know, go into leadership, he'll do everything in his power to help you. Um, so the idea was I could develop my curriculum area at the same time, which was ICT. Um, as I got the ICT subject leader role in my NQT year because I'd managed to make a video for the year six leavers assembly, just some pitch their time through school set to the soundtrack of greed and time of your life. Uh, And that bowled my head teacher over. So he's like, right, you need to be ICT subject leader. Uh, Loved it. I I had a TLR for a while while that was still a thing for developing a learning platform within the school way back when. which turned out to be a complete and utter waste of time. But yeah, so um, at that point, I sort of said to my head teacher, look, if we're going to do that, I need to get some uh, iPads and I need some decent kit. Yeah. And he agreed. I got a class set of iPads. And so I started just using them uh, alongside my teaching, just looking at ways in which it could really sort of transform teaching, support children with their learning, sort of make learning more accessible. And at the same time, Obviously, everything that I was doing on the iPads, you couldn't stick in, a, in an exercise book, which, in my opinion, is a waste of time anyway. Um, so yeah. I started blogging, sharing the ideas on Twitter. And then within, I'd say, about a year, I'd started getting requests to do training uh, and visit schools. And then um, Alan Pete, I don't know if you're, you've come across Alan Pete, who was no, no. Uh, an English trainer sort of did CPD yeah. training he's been doing it for years over 20 he's retired now uh, earning his, yeah earned his well earned or enjoying his well earned his retirement should I say and uh he got in touch and he said look we've we've heard some good things would you be interested in having a chat having a meet and um we can discuss about potentially working together and I was a massive fan I, I've loved his resources ever since I went on one of his courses many, many moons ago. So I was a bit sort of like, oh, I was like, oh my God, you know, if someone like this is reaching out, wanting to work with me, I might be onto something here. And so, yeah, we had a good chat. He said, and what was great about what Alan did for me is he didn't make me work for him. He was, he encouraged me to sort of create my own business and work alongside him. And I know there's a lot of companies out there that would have sort of just made me work for them, under them sort of thing. So, mm. And mm. him and his wife were so supportive in getting my business set up. So I made the decision to, to sort of go part-time because I never wanted to leave the class. So what year, would this, what year was this? What we're talking now. So uh, 2014, 15, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, round yeah. about then. Um, and yeah, so I remember sitting around, the kids are still in nappies and, um, my wife is sort of worrying, can we take the risk of not having the steady income? 
But I thought, you know what, if I don't, I'll regret it forever. And then, yeah, the rest is history. So from that, I've been able to sort of continue to build the platforms on social media. Um, you know, the business uh, is doing well. Uh, a bit shaky over COVID, as you can imagine, because you can't visit schools, mm. but been able mm. to bring the virtual side on there. And yeah, it's just been uh, quite the journey and I'm just enjoying enjoying the ride at the minute. What about, I mean, going back there to when, so when you sort of, I, I want to know what you were like as a kid in school. Were you good? Um, right. So this is the thing. So whenever we talk about on the podcast, Adam always what likes to make it out that I'm this goody two shoes teacher's pet. I just put it down to the fact that I'm probably a little bit more likable than Adam. Uh, he used to get in a lot more trouble. I just used to never get caught. That was the difference. I had a bit about me that meant, you know, I wasn't, I, I enjoyed lots of, I enjoyed a lot of elements, but I'd never be considered the sort of, you know, what do we used to call them back in the day? What do we, you know, bods we used to call them, you know, the sort of geeks and, Beans, bods we used to bod bods um, okay so i was never one of them i was i but i would never say i was like the coolest kid in school i was just all right no. you know played rugby at school um had a good group of mates but we were never i was never i just never got caught if i ever did anything it was i was i managed to get away with it i don't know why but whereas adam he just was blatant with it he couldn't for the life of him, get himself out of trouble sort of thing. So, yeah, I enjoyed school. I had a really positive experience. And I think it's an interesting one because, obviously, I sometimes speak to teachers on my training about what gets you into teaching. And it's amazing. Majority will always say there's one particular teacher that they had that just really had such a profound impact that they wanted to pass that on to, to other children. But I've met a couple of teachers who were like, I never had anyone. I never had a te decent yeah. teacher. So I didn't want anyone else to go through that experience. But, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I did enjoy school and I think, you know, to, to want to come back into it, uh, yeah, you have to, I suppose. Yeah. That, yeah, of course. I, I mean, the only reason I ask that is, you know, I guess to, to, so, I mean, I wanted to talk to you about that sort of phase where you've come out of uni, you're going to, you're going to primary teaching. There aren't many men in primary teaching, are there? So, no. So did you ever think about going secondary? And what sort of made you go, oh, you know what, I'm going to go primary? It's a very, very good question. The the honest truth. So I've never, I've done maybe one training session in a secondary school, but I have never worked a day in my life in a secondary school. And I have a couple of requests from schools saying, oh, do you do training for secondary? And I'll, I'll, I'll do it, but I, I have to make them aware that I do not know the curriculum. I do not know. Yeah, because I've never worked today, and 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 I'm not one of these people who will sort of, unless I feel confident and knowledgeable about what I'm doing, uh, I'm not. I can't tell a secondary school teacher what they should be doing when I've never worked today in a secondary school. But I find sometimes on places like Twitter, there's a lot of secondary school teachers who are quite happy to talk about primary, and they're quite happy to you know uh, say it should be done this, that, and the other. And and there's a lot of people who have who are doing a similar thing to me where they're out doing training. Never worked a day in primary yet. They're visiting primary schools, telling them what they, you know, what they should do. Which I don't, I don't know. It doesn't sit comfortable with me that I wouldn't feel confident going into a secondary school telling teachers what to do. I can go in and sort of share what I do as a primary school teacher and hope that some of that translates. But I don't know. I mean, there's obviously lots of similarities, uh, but also lots of differences. To be the truth, God, God's honest truth about why I chose primary 
was purely because when I was at sixth form, uh, originally I wanted to go to uni and do acting. That was that was yeah. what I wanted to do. And I didn't end up getting into the uni that I wanted to. Um, so teaching, because I had a girlfriend at the time in sixth form who went to do primary school teaching. She was just like, you could, you could do primary school teaching. And I was like, all right, okay. Looked into it, applied and, and got accepted. So I don't think I actually thought too much about the difference between primary and secondary. I was just sort of encouraged by the girlfriend to do what she was doing. <laughs> that was it. Well, no, like I often get asked, like, what, what inspired you to want to be a teacher? I just didn't get on the acting course at uni. <laughs> that was it. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I was then going to ask you sort of, OK, so you've kind of said why you sort of went down the primary sort of line. Yeah. But I was going to ask you, what sort of teacher were you and are you? Have you evolved? Do you have a persona? Do you have any sort of persona in school? And I was also going to ask you, are the students in your school aware of ICT with Mr. P? And does that help or hinder you as a teacher? Um, so I, I'm, I like to think I'm sort of firm but fair. Um, uh I try and build relationships with my class. Um, I wouldn't say, uh, you know, I wouldn't imagine many of my students would say I was the most, you know, most strict teacher. But then at the, I just try and just try and enjoy it. Just try and yeah, be positive and you know make the most of the time. But but it has. I have evolved massively. Uh, definitely evolved. And um, you know, when I first started teaching certain things that I would prioritize my time doing I've you know over time I've come to realize a, a waste of time so you know I, I always remember when I was at uni uh, and I was on a placement and I was on a placement with a fellow student who was one of the busiest teachers you've ever met in your life I mean she had mm. files and folders coming out of her backside you know she really made me feel like I should be doing more um and and I always and so when the tutor, the sort of mentor came in from uni, I was I was worried, you know, I was crapping it really like, oh, she's, she's going to have a go because I'm not got anywhere near the same depth of folders. And, you know, and then she just turned around to me and was like, listen, you, you do you, you do enough. You do, I wouldn't say you do bare minimum, but you do enough to get yourself through. But look, you'll have a better life outside of teaching. And sometimes I think that's more important. And that stuck with me that. So. You know, I try and be, and what I'd say, I've, I, the way I've evolved mostly is like, I'm at a point now where if I get asked to do something and I don't think it's got an impact on teaching and learning, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I'm yeah. do it. I'd say a piece of advice someone told me, which I don't, I don't know if I should share and encourage, but <laughs> one teacher said, my best working smart and not harder trick is never reply to the first email. Yeah, I've heard that. If it's, in, if it's important enough, they'll email you again. It's <laughs> a quiet line. So yeah, um, as far as what the kids, so, so kids are obviously aware, um, and uh, you know, the, the thing that I always say to them is like, look, you shouldn't be on there. You know, as a primary school te as a primary school child, you are not old enough to be on any of the platforms. So you yeah. know, I, you don't mention because it's not when I'm in school. I'm in school. I'm a teacher, and yeah, some yeah. of the kids will mention the odd, odd thing, but I'm like, look. You shouldn't be on those platforms. I'm quite happy to tell your parents that you're on them and you shouldn't be, you know, that sort of thing. Um, but a lot of the parents, you know, follow and have seen me on, on, on this, that and the other. Um, and and, and what's, what's been good about it is I, I sort of use my platform to 
sort of help the children in lots of ways. So if we do a yeah. project and I'm looking at connecting with authors or, you know, Twitter, yeah. Twitter's great for being able to give my pupils an audience for the learning that they're doing. And yeah. this is something I've been talking about and doing for, you know, best part of a decade now. It does have a huge impact because, you know, for me, I never want the kids to be doing work for me. I want them to have a bigger purpose. I want them to have a bigger audience. And so through social media, you can give them that audience. And that's not me saying you have to have the, you know, a big following or anything like that. But whatever book you're studying with your class, yeah. if the author's on Twitter, connect with them, share some of the children's work. Most authors will, you know, they will get back to you. They're brilliant for that. Um, yeah, true. So, so, yeah, I try and use it as a positive thing. Because for me, when it comes to social media, don't get me wrong, there are, endless positives but there are also lots of negatives for me it's all about the choice we make and in 2022 you know most adults don't really have a choice about using the internet the choice yeah. we make is how well we do it and to be fair most of our children are the same you know they are connected they're on these devices and i think we've got to model positive choices as well as as well as educating our children about the negatives that are on there as well so i always like to think that you know uh, on a much smaller scale to all these youtubers and social media influences that you know young people follow i can be a positive example of what can happen if you use social media in a in a in a positive way i suppose yeah absolutely so i was going to talk to you about sort of that leads quite nicely into um obviously we're going to talk about the stuff that you create right yeah um now i wanted to know did that sort of happen by, in terms of the videos you do, which obviously yeah. have, some have gone viral, some have been very popular. Did that sort of happen by accident initially? Or did you sort of go, I'm going to start creating this sort of content? Yeah, but that's, a, uh, yeah, it, it, it was sort of by accident. But again, it's it sort of evolves with the way that the internet's going. So wh whatever the sort of, um, you know, the viral sort of type of content that mm -hmm. is is engaged so like at the minute it's tiktok isn't it tiktok is yeah taking over that short form um type of content sometimes it's lip syncs sometimes you know there was a t there was a period of time where you know facebook for me was my um main platform and they wouldn't push anything unless it was longer than three minutes yeah so there was a period of time where every piece of content that i made had to be longer than three minutes, otherwise it was going to get absolutely no reach at all. Whereas now it's gone from, you know, and, and you'd have to, I'd have to sit there and I'd write out ideas and I'd plan out stuff. Um, whereas now it's, it's, a, it's a weird one now because on, on TikTok, it's a complete and utter lottery. Like there's times where I make a video and I'm thinking, this is, this is a, this is a good one, this, and it'll get next to nowhere. Then you can do a silly little lip sync. That's like five seconds long. That takes absolutely no effort at all. Next minute, it's like a million views. Uh, and that becomes a bit of um, almost like a challenge, and in, it becomes very addictive. Because, uh, but yeah, so it, the way it all so, sort of came about, as far as the videos was, it, it was just sort of a natural progression from. So as I first started, I was obviously sharing a lot of ideas for classroom use, and um, w w mainly looking at technology. And then, obviously, as my business grew. Um, I sort of had to, I had to pull back on that a little bit because otherwise, you know, if everyone can access all your CPD for free, you're not yeah. going to then be able to do training. So then it was like, well, how can I still offer, you know, content? Yeah. yeah, offer something. And initially it was just starting with like memes. 
uh, when they were like the, the the biggest thing. And then as I suppose as the technology developed and it was a lot easier for you to create video content of yourself through the, you know, the progression of the iPhone, for example, you, you, it made it easier to them film yourself. So it'd be, you know, 10 types of teachers for that, that you'll find yeah. doing this and that sort of thing. And then you get inspiration from other places. So a lot of the time I'll see something that might be, uh, sort of aimed at a different industry or a different sort of context. And I'm going, oh, I could, you know, I can adapt that and I can apply it to to teaching and I can make a funny video about, you know, about that. So, yeah, and, and that's become a bit more of a, and a bit more of a hobby, really. Yeah. Um, and obviously it's really helped my platform grow massively. I think it's all about just creating relatable content. So, what one thing that most people will say to me is that you you say what most of us are thinking, but yeah. for, for some reason are too fra- afraid to say. And I think that's what my platform is 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 able to do. Is it's able to, and and I, I'm so appreciative of everyone's support and the and the messages I get. So you know, I had one just a minute ago from a teacher who said I've had the worst Monday I've ever had. It's been absolutely dreadful. But I've it wasn't me, it. was it? <laughs> well uh but i've just seen this video that you, you i've just seen this video that you posted it's got a smile on my face it's made me realize that i'm not the only one and it's like well there you go if i can do do something that helps yeah. in some way shape or yeah. form whether it's you get a bit of inspiration for a classroom idea with the technology or you just sit there watch a video that puts a smile on your face and you think oh, i'm not the only one i'm not the only yeah. one going through the same sort of struggles and and that sort of thing What's your what's your most favorite and least favorite social media platforms? So, oh, so I w- see it's difficult because you know this uh, social media as a whole. I have a lot of issues with. I have a lot of issues with. So mm. you know, Facebook is my biggest platform. That's where I've got my biggest following. But I, you know, there's a lot of things that <laughs> annoy me about sort of Meta, and you know, I think from a from a teaching point of view we definitely most definitely need an independent independent regulation body who can keep tabs on you know mm. zuckerberg saying oh yeah we police it and we do this that and the other we you don't if your main goal is making money you're not going to police it properly and so i have i do have issues on that side of things um tiktok's probably my favorite at the minute yeah and, and actually say with tiktok is as, as it, it, don't get me wrong, there's so much garbage on there. Um, but if you can curate the right sort of for you page or your feed, I tell you what, I've probably learned more and got more ideas for using tech in the classroom through yeah. TikTok over the past six months than I've done anywhere else because wow. it is a treasure trove of, and, and it's all about fact, you know, following the right people. And so for example, my big thing at the minute and one thing that I'm really starting to dabble with and explore is the use of AI, artificial right. intelligence. Yeah. And through TikTok, I've been able to so, sort of curate a wealth of websites and resources that at the minute I'm sort of testing out and I'm using in class. So don't get me wrong. There is a lot of, and, and TikTok certainly not one that I'd suggest any primary school kids on, but if you, again, it's all about the choices you make. If you can use it in a positive way, if you can curate a good sort of feed, it can be really, really useful. And there's loads of really um, inspiring teachers and educators on there sharing some really good stuff. I'd say my least favourite, and this is going to say, I'd, I'd say is probably Twitter. I know, I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> 
purely because, right, I've come to the conclusion that you cannot argue with anyone on the internet. And Twitter's there's no point. So when I when I go on Twitter, and you know I've had people trying to get a bite out of me, mm. it's really hard because you want a reply. But the thing is, you'll never win. Even if you know you're in the right, you never you never win. So I don't know. It's just sort of a bit. What's the word? It just can be quite toxic in parts, can't it? It can be really positive, mm. and don't get me wrong. Again, some great people on there sharing some really good stuff and. What I always say to students whenever I'm working with student teachers is you probably, don't get me wrong, teaching's in the worst state I've ever known it to be in. Mm. However, one positive is you have social media which allows you to connect with so many amazing educators from around the world. Because I remember a couple of people I went to uni with got jobs as teachers in dreadful schools, didn't have anyone to connect with or ask yeah. for advice or see beyond their school and they didn't last um very long in the profession because the schools weren't there you know weren't there for them whereas now you know if you do find things tricky if you've got a couple of issues or you're unsure of things there is a wealth of amazing educators out out there through whatever platform it is sure. that you can connect with and 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 get i mean one thing support. one thing i would say for twitter is uh, disagree feel who's disagree on this i suppose it might be slightly easier to actually connect yeah. properly with people. It's a bit more of an open-facing platform than Instagram yeah. or Facebook, possibly. That's what one thing I will say for it, even though I agree with everything you've just said about it as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there's positives with it, definitely. And, you know, this... Um, but it's funny, the, the, the you get a lot of teachers, you get a lot of people, because I'm across both and, you know, I see a lot of yeah. stuff. I find it funny how you'll get you know, a lot of teachers on Twitter who are, are always like slagging off teachers on Facebook. It's <laughs> funny. Um, and, and obviously, I, I feel like Facebook is definitely a platform that has more educators on. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. Um, and obviously, then you've got Instagram, which has uh, so you sort of demographic with Instagram's a little bit younger. Um, yeah. But like I say, I think TikTok's the one that is 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 definitely the fastest growing and it's my fastest growing one as well so yeah that's, um, that's really interesting i mean I, I was going to ask you as well but before i do this we, we to kind of break up this interview a little bit lee i've yeah, got yeah. sort of 20 quick fire questions for you now before we kind of right. go into like digital content bit a bit more before i go through those quick fire questions which i'm sure everyone literally can't wait for um before we do that i'm just going to point everyone to the pinned uh tweet at the top of the space with with a slack group so if you're interested in some of their events you can click on that pinned tweet go through there have a look at what they've got on offer um and they've got plenty of free webinars coming up which can support anyone who works with um students uh they they obviously uh are specialists in um special education and care so if you uh, teach in uh, any context, really. I think their webinars can be really, really helpful in that regard. So do check them out. And the other one that's pinned is uh, to become a TTR host. Um, and if you'd like to do that, then click on there and um, get involved by just uh, popping us an email or, or filling in one of the forms. If you're a classroom teacher, we're definitely um, really, really interested to hear from you. doesn't matter the phase or experience level or anything like that. Um, we we'd love to love to hear from you. Um, so Lee, quick fire yeah. questions. Are you ready 
Yeah, let's go. The book you would buy a friend if you walked into a second-hand bookshop. The Alchemist. Ooh, good one. Really like that book. Yeah. Um, the two education books you'd buy a new teacher apart from your own. Oh, um, apart from my... Oh, I know, it's difficult, because I've excluded you'd be like, yeah, I'll just buy like every, every book I've ever written. No, no, because I think I think they're the only educational books I've read. <laughs> um, some of the, I've, I've read a couple of Omar's books, so the unofficial um, teacher handbook uh, is good. Um, I'd probably say one of Alan Pete's exciting sentences yeah. books, yeah, or his uh, guide to nonfiction, yeah. Okay, the best job you've ever had. Oh. Primary school teacher. The best job you've never had? Uh, Hollywood actor. Yeah. The best city you've ever visited? Oh, I went to uh, Reykjavik last weekend, so that'd be up there. Although, no, no New York, New York at yeah, Christmas. Sing the song, please. There's no need for that. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, okay. Why Reykjavik then? That's an interesting one. Why Just beautiful. That? Just beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Stunning. One of the most picturesque places i've ever been interesting interesting uh favorite all-time quote if you have one comparison is a thief of joy i like that uh usa or uk uk continental europe or uk i'm teaming in i'm going uh eu yeah uh yeah continental europe does that uh, include us as well? Are we in that now or is it separate? Uh, which one? Continental Europe, are we? Well, I think we technically are in continental Right, Europe. yeah, then that then. Yeah. Um, uh, Johnny Cash or Jerry Lee Lewis? <sighs> Elvis. Elvis is my all-time favourite. Right. Um, if I have to choose between them two, I'll go with Johnny Cash. All right. Beer or wine? Beer. Dancing or singing? It'd have to be dancing because I just cannot sing. But I do like singing. But I'm just dreadful. Dancing. Uh, trad or prog? <laughs> uh, I'd have to say I'm more prog. Yeah. Why? Why would you say that? Um, I just, I just think, you, to be honest, I just think you can have a mix of both. I think you can't. You can't be completely stuck in the past when the world is changing so much. But I just don't see. So it's like, you know, I'll talk on my training about, um, you know, I'm all for handwriting. I'm all for teaching children neat handwriting. But at the same time, I think there's a place for children also developing typing skills as well. Uh, yeah. I don't see an issue with doing both and, and looking and recognising that actually, it is a valid skill. It is a skill children are going to need. So therefore, we should, you know, be approaching both. With a, a you know, I, I don't see the harm, but it's I hate, I, agree. I really hate this whole. You've got to be one or the other. There are some traditional yeah. things we do which are still absolutely brilliant, but there are yeah. also yeah. some things. It's like talk about this, especially with primary kids. You know, when we talk about e-safety, online safety, that for me is so important yet is such an under 
valued part of the curriculum. Like it's in there, but we don't really do much around it. Yet you'll have majority, I think three out of every four Key Stage 2 children have a social media account. Yet do we do next to nothing around it, educating them about it. And I do, again, I'm like, well, we should be doing that. That should feature more in our curriculum. We should be doing more around that. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, with you, it's it's funny you mentioned AI um, sort of earlier because yeah. Tom Starkey, I don't know if you know Tom Starkey, but yeah, Tom yeah. Starkey has a show on Teachers Talk Radio. And in, in, his, in one of his shows, which I remember, he was talking about um, touch typing and yeah. how he was saying, there should be like loads more on touch typing because ultimately, yeah. I mean, if I think about myself now, how much typing do I do compared to writing? Well, exactly, like ninety-five percent to five percent. Yeah, maybe even more than that. Um, and surely that's the same for the young people. It's going to be the same for the young people. And then if you throw AI into it with voice recognition, yeah, yeah, we could, we, that- could, we could eventually get to a point where. Uh, we almost skip touch typing as a skill because the technology becomes so advanced. Like doing this now, you know, how much of your your social media or, you know, WhatsApp, for example, uh, your voice note everything. Yeah. Uh, You know, people, and it's like Snapchat, it's all visual, it's all that sort of multimedia content. I mean, we could potentially get to a point where it, yeah, I mean, I'm not. Are... I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that handwriting or learning how to, you know, the sort of the value in that is 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 not there because I'm not saying that. But I am. No, no, it definitely, it definitely is. Yeah. I mean, research research has shown if you're say on a course and you're handwriting notes, research has shown that those notes will stick with you more than if you were typing them. Yeah. So handwriting still has a place. The the bit I have a bit of a problem with is like we put so much emphasis on you know, neat, cursive-joined handwriting, even though once children leave school, they potentially will never publish anything handwritten again in, in their life, someone else to read. Yeah. It's, so it's that balance again. Like, I've got... It's not me... Even though I have a bit of an issue because, you know, I'm a, I'm a Sunday Times best-selling author who never got their pen licence at school, and my handwriting is absolutely dreadful. But I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying it shouldn't be taught and it shouldn't, we shouldn't, you know, give it the time. Of course we should, but there's also space for teaching those other skills as well, especially given the fact. I remember a few years, this was going back a few years ago, but um, I put like a, a poll out on Twitter, which is probably one of my most popular polls ever put. And it was not mm. aimed at teachers. It was aimed at the workplace. And okay. it was like, right, if you've got a choice, between someone who's got the neat, neat cursive joined handwriting mm. or ridiculously fast typing skills, which would you prefer as a skill for the workplace? And it was like 93% to 7% in favour of the touch typing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's got to surely have an influence on, the, like you say, the way things are worked. I mean, one thing I did want to ask you about was about, I know you signed a letter recently. Yeah. Um, you're probably thinking now, bloody hell, have I missed my tax returns? No, but you did <laughs> sign. You did sign a letter recently um, for the Educators Alliance, which is a group that sort of supports, I, well, I guess, broadly supports the report by David Blunkett and the yeah. Labour Party around reforms in education. I know on your Facebook page you've put out a few um, uh, posts about the report, asking what people have thought and so on and so forth. Yeah. I wondered. I wondered what your key takeaways from that report have been. 
Um, I mean, again, just probably more the progressive side of things, and you know, the 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 focus more on um, just moving with the times, really. I mean, I I absolutely hate the current government and their. I, I said on the podcast last week, I can't think of a single thing based on, on the fact I'm a primary school teacher. So I'm talking from my experience as a primary school teacher before anyone say, well, actually, in secondary, they've done this. I would argue that I don't think they've implemented a single thing since they've been in power in 12 years that generally has had a real positive impact on uh, education, in my opinion, is, is my view on it. So... I know it would be a really annoying thing to have to change everything again, but I just don't think there's a lot of it that's fit for purpose. Like the spag test at primary is one, a, a teaching hill I'm willing to die on is since the implementation of that SATS spag test, however many years ago, kids' writing has got worse. Kids' writing is worse. The storytelling is worse because it's so now focused on shoehorning these examples of spag because it's got to tick boxes that were completely missing the most important element of writing, which is the storytelling and the sort of heart and passion within, you know, the ideas that you want to share. It's just so frustrating that, um, and, and, and again, it's an argument like, well, you've got kids who, we've got an epidemic in this country as far as mental health issues linked to things like social media, but the current system we work in is obsessed and, and forcing us to worry about things like whether a child knows the difference between the active and passive voice because they've got to sit a test in it and it's just nowhere near as relevant as children understanding the difference between misinformation and disinformation do you know what i mean yeah i do i do do you so, think that do, do you think that i mean one of the big things that david blunkett said in this letter he mentioned about he 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 used the word creativity he talked yeah. about creativity in the curriculum is that what you're getting at there you're yeah, talking so about there being a lot. So it's funny, isn't it? Because, you know, if, if I was to tweak what I'm saying here, chances are I'd get an onslaught. You can't, well, you, you, I'd get <laughs> an onslaught worry, like we'll, I was we'll using. We'll do it for you. Don't worry. <laughs> I'd get an onslaught like I was using the actual C word. It's mad <laughs> because I know we're all banging on about this knowledge-rich curriculum and it's, it's spot on, absolutely. But here's my definition of creativity. It's not one or the other. People like to separate it and sort of... You know, if you're being creative, you're not being knowledgeable. Well, no, you can't be creative and skillful at anything without knowledge. It goes hand in hand. Yeah. So my definition of creativity is acquiring knowledge, but actually using it and applying it to solve problems. So that's my definition of creativity. And I sometimes wonder whether this whole sort of knowledge-rich curriculum focus is really sort of focusing more on acquiring knowledge, which is important. I'm not debating that. But are we then giving children the opportunity to apply that knowledge to solve problems? Because that is is what is going to be needed. You know, technology is going to come along and make our lives even more convenient. You know, um, we're dealing with like self-driving cars now, this, that and the other. But what's always going to remain is the ability and the need to solve problems. Yeah. So that's how I define creativity. And a lot of people like to think, oh, if it's creative, it means you're doing these fluffy things and it's not, there's no substance to it. It's not knowledge. No, no, no. Real creativity is about being knowledgeable. And, and the most creative people are 
incredibly knowledgeable. It's all about what you do with that knowledge and how you apply it to solve problems. So that's my definition of creativity. And it frustrates me that it's become almost like a dirty word in education. And I could see the way people reacted to that Labour report, which was a report, wasn't their manifesto. It was just a, you know, David Blunkett sharing what he thinks. Um, and I'm sure that come the day where the next election and, you know, I, I hope to think that Labour would actually do what the Tories have never done, which is sit down with actual teachers and listen and take on board what we want and what we think because we're the professionals. And I'm sure they'll take some ideas from that report on board. The thing for me is from, you know, working, starting work towards the end of the Labour government to now see the impact the Tory government have had on education. There's no one in a million years I can support, I could even consider supporting what they've done. You know, you've got a system where, you know, you've only got to look at the DMs I get. I'm sure you're the same. You must get the messages I get from teachers on a daily basis who are at breaking point, um, mm. mainly through workload and, mm. and that sort of thing. But now you, you you bring into the element of cost of living crisis and it's, it's, it's horrible. And, you know, I've had some really, you know, because it's, it's frustrating for me because I don't have the answers. I don't know. And, and it's nice to think that people feel I'm someone they can reach out to, but it becomes frustrating when I can't solve the problems. Do you think that if you hadn't have gone part-time yourself, you could have stayed in the profession as a full-time teacher? No, I don't think now. I don't think now. Because I don't, I don't know for me. Well, I mean, I sort of left the profession about 16 yeah. times and then sort of re-entered each time. Yeah, but yeah. like I, I now, for the last two years, have, have been part-time or I've been doing sort of temporary contracts yeah, and so yeah. on and so forth. And I just feel that it is incredibly difficult to be a full-time yeah. classroom teacher now and survive for more than a couple of years. Yeah. Um, and don't get me wrong, that, started... all depends on, that all depends on the school. You know, it, it does, depends it on the school and the expectations. But, even, but in, even in a really good school, though. Even oh, in it's a really still good harder school. than it's ever it's, Yeah, it's definitely harder than it's ever been. I mean, we just people don't talk about certain aspects. It's like, really, since the pandemic's hit, should we still be teaching the exact same curriculum? The world's a different place now. The kids have, you know, they've gone through something there for a couple of years. And it's almost like, right, we'll just forget that's ever happened and crack on. And I'm sort of thinking, well, no, it's had a massive impact on all of us. We've all sort of the world's changed. Yeah. The world has changed, and we're not make, we're not embracing that at all. We're not you know even making any sort of adjustments or anything. We're just sort of going, oh, let's go back to it. And and it, it just it just really does frustrate me. It's like you know, and 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 I'm fearful of what's going to happen in next week when they announce this new budget because I just I just don't know how how it's sustainable if it's not funded correctly, education. And I mean, do you have any, to play devil's advocate, do you have any sympathy for those who would say that, the, the, you know, COVID and the war and a lot, all these other things in the last couple of years have been, would have been difficult for any government to deal with? Well, yeah, but let's be fair. I mean, they are, but every other country... Uh, like our GDP shrunk by what? What was it the other day? Like nine point six percent. Yeah, other, every other country is nowhere near as bad as as that. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. and and ultimately for education, the way I see it, and um, you know, this is, I, I will be voting to strike because, and I and I hope that every, you know, if we are going to do that, if we are going to strike, the best possible chance we've got is if we all do it. 
and I completely understand people's reservations. But if we really want to take a stand, but there's part of me deep, deep down, and even though I know striking is the right thing and we should all be doing it, I just think with this current government, they don't care. They don't care. Because ultimately their goal now, between now and the next election, is to win the next election. And I'm sure I saw on Twitter, it was something like 80% of teachers do not and will not ever vote for Tory. So if you're looking at it now as a Tory and you're trying to win the next election, would you go out of your way to support a profession that you know will never vote for you? Surely your best bet now is to focus on people that you might be able to influence and make you make vote for you. So I worry that in this next budget, and it's the same for NHS staff, they're just not going to look after us. Because they haven't done, they haven't done. You look at the retention issues. We had a little bit of um, a pickup after COVID, didn't we? I think a lot of people sort of looked at teaching and thought, actually, this is, you know, this is a career that, you know, is stable. And 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 then I think we've got the worst recruitment issue, worst recruitment numbers ever. Mm-hmm. So it sort of peaked a little bit post the. I was like last year, and we sort of sort of came out of the pandemic. And then it's just gone. Well, in the, no, in the second half of this show, starting in 10 minutes, we're going to be discussing the question. And obviously, I know you'll be probably heading off into the um, sunlit uplands at that point. But <laughs> at 30, we will be discussing, um, should Ofsted be abolished? Is it time for Ofsted to be um, completely kazumped? I've got Adam, who, who's listening at the moment. Um, I've got Ross McGill. I've got Joe Fox. And the three of us are going to hopefully discuss this issue. Before that, um, I thought I would uh, mention that Paul, yeah. who's one of our regular listeners, has texted in. He says, I was on a course leaded in around 2011 in a Runcorn school. It was a great day with lots of ideas. But as the only man there, it was despicable. The level of eye fluttering and cooing from the female staff. Lee? This is a question he hasn't asked, but are, are you the sexiest man in education? Oh, of course not. No, I just can you. I can just hide it on social media. Filters. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. Um, what's your view on Ofsted? I thought you were just going to ask what my view on your sexiness was. That's a shame. <laughs> um, no, my well, my view is, and my well-documented view is that Ofsted should be stripped, completely stripped back to the status of health and safety uh, guardian or watchdog. Yeah, um, That's my sort of view. My view on that hasn't really changed over the last five to, five to ten years. Um, I was teaching in Wales for the first um, five years of my, yeah, five years of my career. They have Estin. That was kind of like a different, I mean, it yeah, didn't yeah. feel as harsh as yeah, Estin. Yeah. But we're going back now to 2007 to 2013. So it was right, a, right. perhaps a different world. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you've seen the new Welsh curriculum. So when I was talking about, um, you know, being a bit more progressive as far as embracing the the online safety, they've got that digital literacy framework, which is at the forefront, which I really, really do like. And it's interesting. I did a course in Wales recently and I, I always ask the question you know we have these workload reduction toolkits from Ofsted everyone bangs on about well-being and workload just to show a hands how many of you think your workloads get any easier in the past year and for the first time ever in years of asking this question these two teachers put their hands up and I said all right I said all right I'm really interested because no one ever puts their hands up yeah like what 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 makes you say that and they were like oh we used to work in England we now work in Wales so I was like oh there you go but my um my view on Ofsted 
is it's similar to what you're saying there. Like, ultimately, Offset is a regulation body, and he's just got far too big for the boots. And uh, I think the biggest lie in education is Ofsted's logo, like Ofsted's slogan. So if you look on the Ofsted website, they'll have Ofsted raising standards, improving lives. And I just think that's ridiculous. Ofsted don't raise standards. Ofsted have never, in all my time teaching, done anything that's made me a better teacher, ever. And I don't mind that. I've got no issue with Ofsted checking schools. That's what they do. They check schools. And they really should be checking, safeguarding, health, absolutely that. Um, but to make out like they do something they don't. And I just think since the pandemic, you know, that new framework initially, I really welcomed. I thought it was great to move away from this obsession with SATs in primary school to look at a more rounded curriculum. Then the pandemic hit and people started noticing. They were like, hang on a second. We've got these inspectors doing absolutely nothing here to support schools. This, this, you know, body who should be there to set the standard. I've done absolutely nothing for two years. So then they just seemed hell-bent and relentless on trying to justify their own existence. That actually, I just don't think they realise the detrimental impact they're actually having on schools at the minute. And for me, from all the travelling that I do and, you know, visiting schools here, there and everywhere, the general inconsistencies from inspectors is astounding like it that's what got to be one of the worst things because there's just no communication on their side they'll say like oh we've put this out we've put that out they should be going out of their way to be as proactive as possible to get their messages across around things like workloads for example because the one thing that i can't stand and if there was a room 101 um there is on, there is like there's a staff room 101 on teachers talk radio Right. Where well, we put loads of bad things. And Nathan, who is just, his head is just below yours on the screen at the moment. He's obsessed with you. When I, oh, mentioned, right, you. When I mentioned I was interviewing you, he got very flustered. <laughs> he started, I don't know, it was really yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. He'll probably um, talk in a minute because he's admining this space. He doesn't want to defend himself. But he got very <laughs> flustered and very red in the face. Rather than my oh, head. thank you, thank you. Um, but you might be thinking, oh, you'd put Ofsted. I'm not against the idea of Ofsted. There has to be a level of accountability, absolutely. But um, the thing that I cannot stand in education are Mocksteads. Um, are these are these charlatans, these snake oil salesmen, who are going around schools taking budget out of a school to tell schools and teachers what they should be doing, even though they've never worked today for Ofsted. All they've done is read the read the framework, the same that everyone else has. Like I was in a school recently, or sorry, it was a friend of mine, had a head teacher, an ex-head teacher in doing like a, a Mockstead, right? Mm. And he was actually slagging some of my stuff off. So this school used quite a few of my ideas and he was basically talking it down. No <sighs> Ofsted won't look at right. that. They won't they won't look on seesaw, they won't do this, that, and the other. You've got to get everything in a book, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So you can imagine, for me, that really riled me up. So he yeah. was telling me, I was like, you are joking. So I looked into this guy, and he was an ex-head teacher. And then, weirdly enough, the school that he used to work at, within the last couple of weeks, had signed up to my website. <laughs> so I then chanced my arm and got in touch with one of the teachers at this school. And I said, look, um, no, she signed up to the website. Really, really appreciate it. Let me know if you've got any questions, anything you're unsure of. But just out of interest, um, 
you know, the, the head teacher that worked at your school, who's now going around doing mock studs and that, was actually speaking negatively about my school, uh, about my stuff and saying you shouldn't be using it, blah, blah. And then she just replied, she was like, it, he is the worst leader I've ever known in my life. Like he was the most toxic head teacher. The staff turnover was absolutely ridiculous. And you just think, and, and my mate then said, well, yeah, he was sharing videos of his old staff where he was doing mock deep dives with them. And the staff are literally shaking in the video, uh, like out of nervousness, you know, being nervous and anxious. And I'm just like, and he's taking money from schools. Um, and it's not improving the outcomes for the kids. Like my training, my aim with the training, everything that I do is to hopefully help teachers. Of You know, the social media is all about putting a smile on people's face and making us feel part of uh, the teaching community that we're not the only one. But when it comes to the training, if a school's put me in, my main goal, but being a teacher myself, is like, look, by the end of the day, if I've not given you a handful of practical ideas that you can take back to class and it, A, makes your life easier, it, B, has an impact on teaching and learning, and C, removes barriers to make learning more accessible, then I've not done my job right. And that's my main aim. It's not, you know, and, and, and it just really frustrates me that we've got this culture that shouldn't, because if I was an inspector and I went into a school and found out that they'd had a mockstead, it requires improvement straight away. You know what I mean? It's a bit, no, 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 don't care. That is absolutely ridiculous. You're done for. And Ofsted could quite easily put an end to that. If they had someone who was speaking out and put into... I know they, they had a while ago, didn't they, that Sean... Um, what was he called? John Harford. Yeah, and I really, really had a lot of respect for him because he would put to bed those myths. And I know he took a lot of brunt of negativity from people who had bad inspe you know, inspections. But I thought it was a really good way where he was able to put to bed myths and, you know, but they just need to communicate better because the worst thing is not necessarily Ofsted. It's the way schools react to Ofsted because of hearsay. Oh, I heard this happened at that school and that happened at that school. And ultimately, there's no one to regulate the regulators. Who who do Ofsted answer to? So I mean, some of the stories... Do you think that, though, comes down to, I mean, there will always be, sort of hearsays and myths and, mm. and, and whatever. And my point would be that because those will always exist in the current system yeah. of inspection, does that mean that the current system of inspection needs to change? Because that, that those myths and those hearsays that need correcting yeah, yeah. wouldn't but... exist in the first place without... Again, this is not me arguing this. This is just... Yeah, yeah. Well, what, what if it was the system that didn't grade... What if, right, rather than us all chasing these grades, which we know are utter rubbish, we know don't actually mean anything. It's a roll of a dice as to what inspector you get on that day who has such a perception of what education should look like. Because no matter what, you bring your own interests, your own outlook on education anyway. So what if it was a case that Ofsted got rid of grading and what you would get is you'd get a team of inspectors who came into school and they wrote a report and they basically, in the report, highlight three strengths and three weaknesses. Um, and obviously, this, you know, this, this, and, and that was the report. So, you know, rather than you chasing this grade, and everyone knows it's rubbish, yet schools, this is where I can't hold Ofsted completely accountable here because schools are their own worst enemies. Like, we go on about how much we hate Ofsted, but if we're lucky enough to get a good or outstanding, we then spend, I don't know how many hundreds of pounds on a big banner outside the school to say, look how outstanding and, and good we are, said this person who's not worked a day in the classroom for don't know how long. So we don't help ourselves, but I do find that sort of grading 
culture to be quite toxic as 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 well. So I think the, the I'm not. I think it just needs a revolution. I think it just needs to be completely transformed so that we don't have it doesn't become this toxic culture that it is. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, I was going to ask, I was going to, yeah. we're coming to the end now. Um, I'm going to let you go soon, Lee. And I really must say before I do that, it's been absolutely brilliant. Um, oh, thank kind you. Of hearing your thoughts and opinions on different things. Um, I appreciate it. Taking me the best part of my career to get hold of you and get you to do it, but it's been it's been wonderful. <laughs> I know, it's sorry, sorry about this no, no, it's, it's not it's just your fault. I was only joking, by the way. Um, no, but it's been worry. brilliant. I was going to ask, do you? I mean, with uh, taking everything you've said in the last 10-15 minutes, you've you've got your opinions there, you've got your views and strong views on the way things are, and 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 other things. Does your leader in your school or leaders in your school do they sort of just let you? Do you have any fear? Do you do, um, do you sort of go? You know what I can say and, and whatever I want because there no, is with, a lot within, of fear within, out there. Within reason, within reason. Yeah. Um, you know, my head teacher is incredibly understanding. Um, luckily, he's not on social media, but he's always said to me, "Look, what you do outside of school for your business is, is you know, when you're here with us, you you miss the Parkinson." When you're outside of school, you miss the P. And as long as nothing outside of school comes back to me, yeah. then, you know, uh, and I know I'm in, in, incredibly lucky there. And, you know, I am I am opinionated, but I don't think, you know, whenever I take uh, digs at, for example, you know, toxic SLTs, it's never referring to my SLT because I won't no. be doing what I'm doing. It's based on the messages I get sent. So if I yeah. get if I make a meme or I make a video about like book scrutinies and uh, you know learning stalks, uh, sorry learning walks and all that sort of jazz, that's because someone will have met, sent me a message. Of course, saying, oh, I've been sent. It's never because re- I, I wouldn't be at my school if I was being forced to do all of that yeah. crap. Yeah, do you know what I mean? So I think sometimes that people are like oh no, but at my school I'm I'm trusted and and you know I'm trusted as a teacher as far as work you know as far as work clothes yeah. so I don't do all the fat and this is the sort because of, it there is a different way there is a there is a way in which you can you know I think you can be an incredibly effective teacher and have a decent work life balance I think that is possible um, and you know I try and aim for that with the days I do in my school and and, and on my training I'm trying to strive for that and don't get me wrong some people don't like it so I am very training. but again um, again Mr P though I would say I just called you Mr P apathetic's that I'm sorry Lee <laughs> no um, you're right but I would say that like it, I'm talking for both of us now me and you yeah. because we are part time or because we work on a flexi basis yeah we are at an advantage versus someone who, yes, works in a good school, but if you're full-time classroom teacher, I just think it doesn't... Yes, it makes a difference if you work in a great school and you've been there for ages and you're yeah. trusted and everything else. I've been in that situation, and yes, it is much better. But in the current climate, I, I just don't know if... Based on how many teachers have messaged me in the last yeah. few months saying, I'm leaving. I mean, yeah. even in the even in the last couple of weeks, um, I've seen two tweets from really talented yeah. Um, yeah. professionals on Twitter. One of them, really talented MFL teacher. I'm leaving the profession. Yeah. Another yeah. one, long time, really experienced geography teacher, very talented, leaving the profession. That's two in the last few weeks who are yeah. who are what I would call top professionals. 
who were walking yeah. away, and and full time professionals. Um, just so really sad, isn't it? It is. It's really sad because I just don't think it needs to be that way. Um, and I'm not saying I've got all the answers, no. But wherever I can, I'll, I'll you know. And it's funny. I was just saying on my training. Sometimes, you know, majority, I'd say ninety five percent of the time, the SLT who put me in are on the same wavelength. They they want to bring in that change and look at ways in which technology can help. But I will get the odd one where I'm booked in by an SLT. Or I'm not booked in by the SLT. I'm booked in by the teacher. The SLT know little to nothing about it. Um, and you just know as soon as I make a comment about like marking or something like that, I'll say something about marking, and you can just see the room, the tension in the room, <laughs> and you can just tell straight away, this is a school where they do all of this crap. Uh, and yeah. I will always talk. I'll, I'll, I'll never back down from talking about it, and I've had a few run-ins with head teachers. I remember one particular head teacher um, by the end of the day basically said to me, well, she didn't say, she waited until I left and then sent an email which tells you everything you need to know about that type of head teacher, basically saying she wasn't going to pay me. And it was put purely because I was asking questions about, you know, if you do this, is it actually going to have an impact, this, that, and the other? And um, wow. And again, I had messages from the teachers saying she's like, you know, she's really bad. But, and, and, but sometimes it's a case of just holding a mirror up at people. That's all I think I do is I say, look, this, this, sort of ex- the, the accountability the expectations isn't what's going to bring the best out of your teachers and some slt don't like that don't like it being you know me sort mm. of a questioning and and it's funny because it tends to be what all the teachers are thinking just too afraid too afraid to say um but that's a very rare occasion majority of slt i've come across are absolutely brilliant yeah. And yeah, a lot probably. of the time, it's not the SLT that are the issue to move it. Sometimes it's the teachers themselves because we are creatures of habit. And, we, we you know, it's hard mm. to break the habit of a lifetime. So mm. sometimes mm. you can find that you've got teachers who you give these new ideas to and they'll be like, right, OK, yeah, I can do that on the on the iPads, for example. But then how do I print it and stick it in a book? And then going, it doesn't need to be printed and stuck in a book. So, you know, it's everyone trying to move forward to hopefully get to a better place with it all. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.